Section number twenty eight of the Fairy Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fairy Book by Dinah Maria Mullock. The Butterfly. In the time of the illustrious Marinus, it was indeed a pleasure to be a king. The laws were just, the people obedient, and peace was over the land. This monarch would have been the happiest of men, but for the continual complaints of his consort, which tore his very heart in twain she wept continually for her daughters nineteen of whom had perished in the flower of youth the fairy of the fountain had promised a twentieth but years passed away in fruitless expectation you have neglected to do the fairies sufficient homage said the king one day I shall give orders to conduct you to the foot of the mountain with pomp and splendor, but when you arrive there the mountain itself must be climbed on foot with many fatigues. Most women would rather die childless than encounter them. Courage shall not be wanting on my part, said the queen, and I wish to set out immediately the king kissed her forehead bade her good-night and fell asleep at early dawn appeared in the grand court of the palace an equipage dazzling as the sun itself the wheels were of massy gold with emerald nails which sparkled in the light it was drawn by forty-two horses, white as snow, whose reins were of rose-colored satin, the fashion of that period. They snorted impatiently, striking fire from the pavement beneath their feet. Their eyes were inflamed, their bits covered with foam and their proud and triumphant air seemed already to announce the success of the queen's enterprise three thousand chevaliers armed at all points and mounted on fiery coursers wheeled about the chariot the air resounding with their joyful acclamations of long live king marinus and his august spouse the queen saluted the people with the utmost grace and condescension which caused such immoderate joy that she was almost stifled by the pressure of the crowd but the guards gently kept them at a distance and the procession passed on when her majesty had reached the foot of the mountain she alighted from her chariot and accompanied by only four maids of honor proceeded on foot 
the mountain was formed of slippery earth slightly covered over with green turf but giving way at every step the queen's pretty little white satin shoes were soon left behind and her feet next stuck so fast that she could not withdraw them her fair hands were in the same plight she cried aloud for succor fearing she should be completely buried alive turning then round to look for her maids of honour she perceived that they had fallen flat on their faces the impression remains till this day and were struggling making the most desperate efforts less in consideration of their own danger than that of the queen in fine after four hours and a half's patience perseverance they succeeded in regaining their feet and strange to say no mud or clay attached itself to their clothes nothing worse than a slight shade of the green turf which assumed the appearance of a gauze veil the fairy then seeing the queen willing to overcome difficulties would not try her further but with one stroke of a wand reduced the mountain two or three hundred feet the remaining height was very dry and easy of ascent the queen was thus conducted to a delicious grove a coral fountain rose in the midst its waters of the purest rose color wound around the meadow murmuring plaintive airs whose words were perfectly distinguishable the fairy there welcomed her majesty who prepared to explain the occasion of her journey but that was quite unnecessary the fairy exacting profound secrecy presented her with a vial of water drawn from the fountain strictly ordering that it should be broken when she had drank it all the queen charmed by this reception made presents of inestimable value and rejoined her maids of honour who had been thrown into an enchanted sleep they then returned to the palace in such high spirits that all the court danced and sung for a month afterwards in due course her majesty became for the twentieth time a joyful mother the magnificence and liberality displayed for this occasion exceed belief the royal palace was surrounded by three hundred large spouts which poured forth alternately night and day the choicest sweetmeats confectionery and money the streets in fact were filled the passengers had only to stoop down and be satisfied but in the midst of these festivities the fairy of the fountain uncovering the little princess's cradle which was of mother-of-pearl studded with diamonds perceived a beautiful butterfly placed immediately under the infant's left eye 
the chief cradle rocker who dreaded being taxed with negligence took a hummingbird's wing and endeavored to chase it away but all in vain it remained quite unconcerned in the same spot extending its large wings of rose color and azure blue on the face of the princess appearing rather to caress than to wish to do her any injury ah said the fairy this butterfly is not what you imagine it is a powerful fairy who presides at the birth of the most distinguished princesses and endows them with a degree of levity which generally leads to misfortune i can lessen the evil without doubt but i cannot entirely avert it the queen wept bitterly at this sad news and the king saw no person during eight days he then ceased to think on the subject misfortunes rarely enter into the speculations of kings masters of the destinies of others mankind flatter them into a belief that their power can almost control fate itself accordingly the visit of the butterfly did not produce much permanent inquietude the poets laureate and literati of the court turned it into numerous sentimental conceits among others that the insect had fastened on the princess cheek mistaking it for a rose this idea branched out into a hundred elegies a thousand madrigals and fifteen hundred songs which were sung in all the principal families and adapted to airs some already known and others composed for the occasion the fairy frequently visited her little charge but was unable to conquer her fickle disposition ten different nurses had already been obliged to give her up she scratched them bit them and obstinately refused to be fed when she grew older she began her education she was so easily wearied and vexed that no one dared to contradict her the fairy was consulted who made her smell at a very rare flower this produced a degree of intelligence so extraordinary that in three days she could read write speak all languages and play on every instrument after just twenty-three minutes application the queen was now delighted for the princess's talents were noised abroad equally with her beauty she had scarcely attained the age of fourteen when many kings sought the honor of her hand the good king marinus was well stricken in years and fondly desired to see papillette established all who seemed worthy of her received a favorable reception and amongst this number was the accomplished prince favorite after he had been presented in due form 
the old monarch asked his daughter what she thought of their new guest sire replied the maiden i have been brought up with too much modesty and reserve to bestow attention on strangers of the other sex that is true returned the monarch but merely regarding him as a picture how has he appeared to you tall and handsome answered papillette his chestnut hair clinging in close and crisping curls to his ivory brow his eyes of violet blue filled with soft vivacity his teeth of the most brilliant white divide lips of coral his nose is perfect grecian and his limbs like the rarest statuary i might say more had i ventured to look at the prince it is enough said the king your first glance has shown you enough i am delighted that you are so sensible to the merits of prince favorite as i design him for your husband love him accordingly your majesty's commands are laws to your dutiful daughter replied papillette one may easily imagine with what magnificence preparations were made for the nuptials the king hastened them lest his daughter's fickleness and levity might cause disappointment to their dearest hopes papillette one day while steadily regarding her lover who was kneeling before her appeared struck by something which made an impression as sudden as disagreeable she repulsed prince favorite saying she was seized with a headache and could not be troubled with company the lover submissively rose and went to seek the queen beseeching her to find out what he had done and to intercede in his favor her majesty accordingly questioned the princess who bathed in tears threw herself into the arms of her mother confessing that she had made a discovery which totally altered her sentiments regarding the prince is it possible added she that you have not perceived his ears of so unusual a size and a deep red color is that all cried the queen in truth i had not observed it but to take notice of an imperfection so very trifling would make us appear ridiculous indeed people cannot help their feelings replied papillette i have quite a horror of red ears it is little worth while to be daughter of a great king if one must be crossed and thwarted in the most important arrangement of life the queen reasoned long but this only increased papillette's resistance therefore being quite defenceless against the tears of a child so dear her majesty promised to speak to the king marinus was firm in all his resolutions he therefore declared that his daughter should become the wife of prince favorite whether she liked it or not the queen had not courage to impart this dreadful intelligence 
but she threw herself on the generosity of the prince, beseeching that he would himself break the engagement, thus shielding Papillette from the resentment of the king. The distracted lover was ready to die with grief, but promised to do all she requested. He asked for three days' grace. The queen consented, and Prince Favorite then summoned Quiseca, chief barber to the king. Barber, said he, each country has its particular prejudices, its own ideas of beauty. Here I find large ears are deemed a deformity. Therefore I command thee to cut off mine. I cannot do it, replied the barber. Your royal highness has been grossly deceived. I have the honor of shaving the first lords of the court, and I know many of them whose ears are equally red and ten times as long as those of your royal highness. These very lords are amongst the most distinguished favorites of the king. I have summoned thee, replied the prince, to operate, not to prate obey my orders and inflame not my ears still further by thy discourse alas said the barber since your royal highness means to sacrifice them to an unreasonable caprice what signifies it whether they are inflamed or not at these words the prince made a threatening gesture and quiseca no longer daring to resist took his razor and with a trembling hand separated two of the handsomest ears from one of the finest heads in the world. For be it known that the princess only made a pretext of this assertion, because she had taken a fancy for somebody else. The wound bled profusely. The prince applied healing balm, and when, in a condition to appear before her, enclosed his two ears in a little box rare and precious and presented it to papillette his heart once more filled with hope and love the princess eagerly opened the beautiful little casket then dashed it with horror to the ground prince she cried what can have induced you to mutilate yourself so cruelly can you imagine that i would ever wed a man who submitted to lose his ears madam said the prince in consternation it was by my own order that what a fool you were then cried papillette if you are not willing to become the ridicule of the court i advise you to quit it with the greatest expedition imaginable the prince dared not call her cruel and ungrateful he retired to the thickest retreats of a forest and soon after entirely lost his reason the princess once more free confessed that amongst her numerous suitors there was one whom she preferred this was prince malabar whose martial mien announced the soul of a hero the queen did not deny that malabar had sought her daughter's hand even before favorite aspired to that honor 
and king marinus could now no longer insist on her marriage with this unfortunate prince since he was quite insane ran naked through the woods sometimes believing himself a hind sometimes a wolf and never stopping until exhausted by grief and despair but in consenting to the marriage of his daughter with prince malabar the king declared that should she again change her mind he would never forgive her the happy day was once more fixed and papillette three days preceding invited her lover to meet her in a delightful grove at the extremity of the gardens this grove was planted with myrtles so thick and high that they afforded a pleasant shade beautiful flowers sprang up on all sides and added to the warblings of the birds in the trees were the voices of hidden musicians singing a chorus composed by the princess herself this however malabar who was a soldier and not a musician and who naturally wished to have his lady love's society all to himself did not sufficiently appreciate princess said he i had much rather hear you talk than these people sing are then those cares despised replied papillette which i have so assiduously employed to amuse and gratify you by the display of my talents your dearest talents cried he is that a pleasing it compromises every other send away these people i pray he added in a tone of the utmost irritation i hate i detest music have i rightly heard exclaimed the princess angrily and do you pretend to love if your soul is insensible to such transporting sounds i wish they would transport themselves far enough away returned the lover who like most other lovers could be in an ill humour sometimes my princess do order these scraping and squallings to cease on the contrary i order my musicians to remain answered papillette quite indignant and never never will i unite myself to him whom divine melody hath no power to move go prince barbarous alike in taste and science and seek some rustic maid best suited to your insensibility the musicians too far distant to hear these words struck up a lively tune malabar imagined this done in derision and it required all his respect for the princess to prevent him from falling on them sword in hand he repented much his words but considered it beneath his dignity to retract them the princess also refused to retract hers so they parted malabar resolved on instant death mounting the noblest courser in his stable he rode down to the sea-coast and plunged him right over a perpendicular cliff into the waters below the tide happened to be coming in so that the body was soon washed on shore and brought before the eyes of the cruel princess 
laid on a litter formed of willow hung with draperies of black crape she was standing at the window when the melancholy procession passed and inquired what it was none dared answer they only removed the covering from the face of the corpse she uttered a loud shriek and fainted away the king and queen lavished on her the most tender cares but all in vain she declared that she regarded herself as an inconsolable widow and insisted on putting on the deepest weeds king marinus respected this caprice and ordered twenty thousand yards of crape for her use she was just giving orders to have her apartments festooned with it and holding a cambric handkerchief to her eyes when a little green ape a drawing-room favorite dressed itself in weepers and disposed one of the widow's caps most tastefully under its chin at this sight the princess burst out laughing so loudly and heartily that all the court ladies who had been trying which could pull the longest and most sympathetic countenance were greatly relieved and began immediately to smile a little gradually they removed from their eyes the trappings of woe and substituted ribbons of rose color and blue of every shade and variety trying on these so diverted papillette's melancholy that the poor drowned prince was soon forgotten her tears indeed were vain he had already enough of water the king was in despair alas he said to the queen we shall never have the consolation of marrying papillette or beholding our grandchildren of two monarchs so worthy of her one has lost his reason the other has cast himself into the sea and while we continue to weep she already consoled thinks only of diverting herself sire replied the queen calm your apprehensions our daughter is yet too young to feel true love in all its fervor let us have patience and seek alliance with none but those truly worthy of her affections such is my wish replied the king and i begin to turn my views upon prince patipata he has seen the portrait of papillette and is satisfied but though a wise and noble monarch his personal qualifications are little in his favor how so rejoined the queen because he is stiff tall and spare his eyes bleared and filmy his hair red and so scanty withal that it seems like a few stripes of blasted flax hung around a distaff a few days after this conversation prince patipata arrived at court and the queen did not conceal from papillette that notwithstanding his personal disadvantages he was intended for her spouse the princess laughed immoderately yet just for amusement she displayed towards him all the arts and graces of coquetry to perfection prince patipata having been informed 
of the deplorable end of his predecessors concealed his love as carefully as the others had proclaimed theirs he was so reserved and cold that the princess longed exceedingly to discover the state of his feelings accordingly one day while patipata was walking with salmo his intimate confidant she hid herself in the trunk of an old tree which had been hollowed out by lightning and afforded apparently a secure retreat the prince seated himself at the foot of it but he had observed the princess and making a sign of intelligence to his companion feigned to continue a conversation of which she was the subject assuredly said he the princess is very handsome but flatterers poets and painters always overstep the truth her portrait has deceived me its large blue eyes bear assuredly some resemblance to those of papillette but they bespeak an ardent and feeling heart while hers is frivolous volatile and incapable of love her smile would be charming but for its satirical irony and what is the value of the loveliest lips in the world if they open but to deceive and betray i am much surprised replied salmo i believe that your royal highness was equally loving and beloved far from it returned patipata it would ill become me plain as i am to be confident of pleasing and i am not duped enough to yield my heart without return do not you approve of this no answered salmo your royal highness is too modest i cannot sufficiently appreciate your humility the prince affected to be dissatisfied with this praise and then moved onwards in order to liberate papillette who was very inconveniently cramped and almost suffocated with anger disagreeable truths seldom reach the ears of princesses her resentment therefore was to be expected meanwhile her heart being equally capricious as her understanding she felt ready to pardon and even on reflection to justify patipata but pride soon combated this weakness and she determined to send him away she complained to her father assured him that by mere chance she had heard the most odious calumnies uttered by a prince who sported with their dignity by falsely pretending to the hand of her whom he slighted and despised the king was surprised but not having entered into any positive engagements with patipata he readily entered into her feelings and intimated to the prince that his adieus would be well received this patipata expected but although not naturally presumptuous he had read sufficiently into the heart of papillette to feel some degree of consolation as no decisive explanation of any kind occurred he was permitted to take leave of the princess this he did with much firmness whilst she appeared so much agitated that it was remarked by all the court the men attributed this to hatred but the ladies who knew better pronounced it love 
they were convinced of the fact when day by day she began to pine and refused to eat and had not the chief cook every day invented some new ragout she would inevitably have died of hunger the queen was in despair and dispatched a billet to the fairy of the fountain fastening it to the tail of a little white mouse which served as a messenger on this occasion it was perfectly acquainted with the way and in a few minutes the fairy arrived at the palace the late events were mentioned to her and the melancholy situation of the princess i understand this case said the fairy but it is necessary that papillette should give me her confidence the fairy was so amiable and so much beloved by the princess that she easily yielded and casting down her eyes confessed that she loved one who regarded her with contemptuous indifference and what rendered her choice still more degrading was its object being equally ugly as insensible i am then to understand replied the fairy that you wish to be cured of this unfortunate passion alas no rejoined papillette for my only pleasure is in thinking of him speaking to him as if he could hear and persuading myself that notwithstanding appearances he could have loved me and he believed my heart capable of steady affections i shall therefore die leaving him alike ignorant of my regrets and my repentance i would not advise you to die said the fairy that is the only evil in the world without a remedy but my dear papillette what can i do to console you let me see the prince once more under some metamorphose in which it is impossible for him to recognize me very well replied the fairy but since you wish to risk it and that a simple butterfly can scarcely compromise her dignity in following a king under this form i shall transport you to his court so saying the fairy of the fountain placed on her finger a little emerald ring and the princess distinctly felt her arms change their shape expand become flexible and form two light wings clothed in the most brilliant colors her little feet quitted the earth and as the window was open she flew out traversing the air with a degree of rapidity which at first caused some sensations of fear but soon the eager desire of seeing patipata urged her forward although natural instincts so far prevailed as to cause frequent descents to earth where she rested on every tempting flower at length entering the prince's garden she beheld him walking on a terrace watering a beautiful orange tree her heart beat so violently that her first emotion was to hide but soon recovering self-possession she flew forwards and rested on a branch which he had just gathered what a charming butterfly observed the king to his chief gardener its colors are truly exquisite i never recollect having seen any such before some new species come to do mischief i suppose said the gardener preparing to brush it rudely away but it took refuge on the bosom of the king with such caressing and tender familiarity that only a hard heart could have done it injury 
ah little traitor cried patipata thou wishest to win me by thy fleeting charms and then escape for ever i already know too well the pain of loving fickle beings such as thou yet still i must defend thee and permit thy return to my orange-tree as often as thou desirest papillette easily penetrated the thoughts of the prince and although they uttered a reproach for her inconstancy she fancied they also breathed the language of love and returned in better spirits than usual to her father's palace where her absence had been unobserved from thenceforward she never omitted making use of the emerald ring which transported her in a few moments to her royal lover she followed him to his palace saw him give audience preside in council and everywhere prove himself just great generous and worthy of all her affection it is true that his eyes were still filmy his body spare and his hair red as ever but what signifies an outside casket when containing a priceless jewel within patipata was determined against marriage he therefore adopted as heir to the crown the son of a cousin a young orphan whom he proposed bringing up beneath his own eye this prince little resembled his uncle he had been much spoiled in infancy and it was impossible to improve him one day while conversing with patipata sire said he i have a favour to ask your majesty and i pray you not to refuse me i shall willingly grant you anything reasonable replied the king it is but your beautiful rose-coloured butterfly which follows you everywhere and if i were to give it to you what then i would run this golden pin through its body and stick it to a branch of the orange tree to see how long it would live oh nothing could be more amusing nothing could be more barbarous answered patipata indignantly go you inspire me with horror i banish you from my presence during three entire days and remember that if my butterfly should receive any injury you shall be punished with unexampled severity the poor butterfly who had heard this discourse knew not how to express its gratitude and joy it flapped its wings and sported around its benefactor the king held out his finger and it rested there thou shalt quit me no more said he it is so sweet to be loved even by a butterfly that i would not willingly prove myself ungrateful thou shalt feed at my table i will serve thee with the finest fruits the fairest flowers ah if i can only make thee happy on the following day patipata went out hunting in vain papillette sought him in the park in the garden and near the favourite orange-tree but his nephew taking advantage of his absence began chasing the pretty butterfly the courtiers knew that he would one day be in power and eager to gratify his whims assisted in the wanton sport ministers the most pompous members of council the most profound climbed on trees and capered through the meadows one would have supposed them mad but the royal insects so familiar with the king 
was for all others the most capricious of butterflies it amused itself in leading the court a long chase and at length rested in the private cabinet of the king where they never once thought of seeking it papillette now all alone could not resist the opportunity afforded of looking over a great quantity of writing which lay on the bureau what was her surprise and joy on there finding verses the most passionate and tender which patipata had written in her praise they indeed revealed that he was proud and would not risk a second refusal but they vowed to remain faithful to her and never to wed another the princess was so affected that two little tiny tears stood in her butterfly eyes well indeed she might shed them for at this moment the wicked little prince her enemy came behind and seizing her by her two lovely wings popped her into his hat now i have you cried he and it is impossible to say what would have happened had not the king opportunely returned when in taking off his hat to his uncle he let the butterfly go she recovering from her fright testified affection by many little endearments and patipata now accustomed to speak to her exclaimed beautiful insect how happy art thou thou wanderest from flower to flower without giving the preference to any thou knowest not love thou hast not found ingratitude i a king cannot boast of such happiness i adore the lovely princess papillette and am dismissed from her court i am ugly it is true but were i ever so handsome i should not be more fortunate for i too well know her fickle the butterfly here sighed so deeply that the king started is it possible thou canst feel said he oh if my princess had as much sensibility i would know no other care with her i would live in a hut far far from the deceitful splendor of a throne the princess papillette would willingly accompany you said a little voice in tones of the finest and purest melody and the butterfly's rosy wings blushed deep as crimson what a prodigy cried patipata ah butterfly what dost thou know of my papillette suppose it were herself said a voice which seemed to proceed from a little fountain of rock crystal which stood between the windows the prince turned round but instead of the butterfly he beheld the fairy of the fountain holding the fair papillette by the hand they were both encircled by a rose-colored cloud which shed a soft brilliant light around the apartment patipata bent one knee to the earth and kissed the hem of the princess's garment come prince said the fairy king marinus is apprised of what passes here papillette has overcome her evil destiny her affections are fixed and sure and that object is yourself and however ready you may both be to live in a hut together i advise you not to do it love is sweeter than royalty no doubt but it is not impossible to unite both 
the lovers transported with joy placed their feet on the rose-colored cloud which instantly carried them to the palace of the king the fairy of the fountain to complete her benefactions rendered patipata as handsome as he was amiable and the nuptials were celebrated with suitable pomp and festivity we are informed that papillette had at first some slight returns of her natural disposition but in one year she became a mother and from thenceforward never knew frivolity more End of the butterfly recorded by susan morin portland maine